Hi, I'm Jessica, and when I'm not drinking all the coffee, watching Razorback sports, or hanging out with my family of boys, it's my passion to help elementary music teachers just like you find your unique teaching style. My goal with this podcast is to share helpful tips, strategies, and to give you the motivation you need to gain momentum in your teaching so you can continue being the music teacher rock star you already are. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here and that you're listening. And today I would like to talk to you about why teacher walkouts matter. And this is something that's close to my heart. No, I've never participated in a teacher walkout before, but the thought did cross my mind because I, like I stated before, if you've ever listened to anything about my story, I started teaching in Oklahoma. Now, if you, unless you've been hiding under a rock, (laughs) which hopefully you haven't been because that would kind of hurt, you have probably seen the news. The last couple weeks, two, three weeks, um, there were Oklahoma teacher walkouts. Now, I'm seeing other states participating in these walkouts, um, not because of Oklahoma. Maybe Oklahoma kind of jump-started it, but they're they're also doing it for a reason, and we're going to go into those reasons in a minute. Now, before I talk about the walkouts, I want to talk about what it was like teaching in Oklahoma. Um, so let me just be completely honest. I have shared my story before about how I started teaching in an inner city school. I had no teaching materials or resources. And part of that, part of the reason I had no teaching materials or resources is because, first of all, this school hadn't had music for seven years. That to me, is absolutely insane. Okay. Um, I just don't understand, honestly. That was one of my first thoughts when I got hired at that school was, how can this school not have music? I don't understand what's, what's the issue. Well, the issue was the budget. They could only afford to have one arts teacher. So they had art. And P- they did have PE, but they only had art. And in fact, I think the PE program was only part-time when I first started there. Then it became full-time. And so that was a lot of the schools I witnessed. I can't speak for the whole entire state because I'm not aware of a lot of the districts, but I taught in Tulsa. And a lot of the schools, not all of them, some of them did have art and music full-time. Some of them had a full-time music or art, and then a part-time music or art, and some of them were like the school I got hired at that only had one or the other. Now, what happened was my school, um, the teacher was not retiring, but she had to quit for um, medical reasons for one of her children, and so they decided, okay, well, we've done art for a while. Let's hire a music teacher. That's exactly what happened, Um, and then I felt bad because these kids didn't have an art class. The teachers did what they could in their classrooms, but as you all know, Teachers are crazy busy. They don't have a lot of time to do any extra things. And so, um, yeah, I, it just it just wasn't okay to me. So that was my experience. Um, so I got hired. Like I said, no music. Now, the reason I had no teaching materials or resources was for a couple reasons. One was, like I said, because there had been no music for seven years. Another reason was because um, there was no budget. There were the teachers that the classroom teachers and the art teacher, I would pick their brains when I first started about what, you know, what was their budget like? Um, And they just kind of looked at me like, what's a budget? Now, 
I'm this fresh, right out of college, peppy, excited to get started teacher. And I'm hearing all these things in college about you're going to have a budget and you can spend it on this stuff and you're going to start it at school and just take over the music class. And so here I'm 18 years old, okay, Um, walking in this classroom like, what in the world? This is not, this is not okay. I don't, you know, I don't understand. Now, I did my student teaching, obviously, because I lived in Oklahoma at a school in Oklahoma. And it was not that way. In fact, they had two music teachers in an elementary school. I think I mentioned that before. Um, and so it's just because you hear the Education Oklahoma, it's not it's just like everywhere. When you hear these stories about um, the education crisis in a state, every school does not follow under that umbrella. it's It's dependent on the district. Um, and how they allocate the funds and things like that. But I will say for the whole state of Oklahoma, the one thing that is the common thread is the teacher pay is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm talking when when you hear these news reports about teachers having part-time jobs on top of their full-time jobs, um, it's true. Every single teacher in that school, except for maybe a couple of them, but all had part-time jobs after school, all of them. Or if they didn't have a part-time job after school, they worked something else on a Saturday. Um, that's just what needed to happen. It just, there was no way um, we could, you know, bring home a paycheck and live on that. Um, and I was married. Well, I got married right after I started teaching. And so we had two incomes, but it's still, it was just not enough. So I I taught piano part-time in a studio. Um, I had several piano students. I played for two children's choirs in Tulsa. I was an accompanist for them. And then I also, um, oh gosh, what else? There was four things I did. Why can I not remember what the other thing was? Uh, oh, well, yeah, the two choirs were two different jobs. So yeah, that was four things. And then on top of that, I, not to get money because, like I said, there wasn't much of a budget. I started a fourth and fifth grade honors choir at my school after a couple years. And, you know, the stipend I got from that, at first it was nothing. So I just, I did it just on my own time because I wanted to start it. And then they ended up offering me the stipend, which literally was nothing. So here's why I feel like the walkouts matter. I have communicated with a lot of my friends that still live there. I live in Arkansas now. And I I have told several of them, I do not understand how this just happened. Like, I just honestly do not understand how it took this long for something like this to happen. I guess it, I guess what happens is it takes one person to, you know, say this, I'm doing this. And then it's like a trickle effect. Then all the other teachers are like, yes, me too, me too, me too, me too. I'm so glad it's happening. I'm really hoping this is the wake up call that the legislators need to see. I hope that they see how bad some of the school buildings are and how uh, little the teachers get paid and they realize that it's not okay uh, and how they realize that the resources and teaching materials these teachers are working with and some of the schools are not um, they're not okay. It's not okay to have these textbooks that are like 
over 10 years old. I mean, you know, and they're torn up and the desks are falling apart and the buildings are leaking, you know. It's just not a good environment. It's not a good thing for the people who are educating our children to be treated so poorly. Um, now, let me say this. As educators, and if you're listening to this and you're a music teacher, which I hope you are because that's who this podcast is aimed for, I um, we do not get our degrees in teaching because of money. Um, we're, we're obviously aware <laughs> when we're going through college that being a teacher, we're not going to make millions of dollars. We're not going to be a millionaire from it. Of course we know that. But I was kind of mind blown when I moved to Northwest Arkansas and the teachers here get paid, I mean, $15,000 more starting their very first year of teaching than you make after 15, 20 years of teaching in Oklahoma. It's crazy. So anyways, it's not all about pay, but the walkouts matter for several reasons. One of the reasons I feel like is the biggest reason is because a lot of these legislators never even step foot into any of the schools. Or they would close, which is what happened in my district, close schools down and consolidate them into one school. And then the class sizes are like 30 plus kids per class. Now, these people aren't walking into the classroom to see how insane that is. They're just saying this is what needs to be done. And you're like, I mean, you don't have a choice. If they're saying that's what's happening, it's what's happening. It's either do that or don't have a job, you know. Um, they, uh, like I said, the teaching materials are outdated. The schools are run down. There's not a lot of teacher budget. So teachers are cutting into their own pockets when they're not even making very much. Um, so I think there's been a lot of... Um, complaints and talks and um, voting and whatever else that teachers are trying to do to get the message across that this is not okay, it's not working. Um, and so I think this is something that's been needing to happen for a while. And I think that, uh, I don't know, I think it's just something major and drastic that needed to happen and that hopefully it's the change that needs to come. And not just to Oklahoma, I know Kentucky, and then I heard Arizona, and um, and it's sad to me that educators are valued so little by people who do not even really truly understand what they do all day long. So anyways, I uh, feel like that was just something on my heart, and when I saw that was happening in Oklahoma, I was like, listen, I've never really told um my complete story about teaching in Oklahoma. So I wanted to share it. And so if you have any commonalities, you know, between my story and yours, and you can relate, and you're frustrated with what's going on, if I can encourage you to just keep going and that you are doing an incredible job, I tried to say great at the same time I said incredible, but you're doing, doing an incredible job teaching those kids. And I know that it's hard and it's day in and day out. It's so much work and it's overwhelming and that you feel like sometimes you're not even doing any teaching. You're just doing crowd control, especially if your class sizes are humongous. Um, but I'm telling you, these kids notice and you are making a difference in their lives. So keep at it. Um, and so anyways, I hope you got something from that. 
in the show notes. Be sure to look for a free printable. Um, it's a free cheat sheet. If you are new to teaching elementary music or you're about to switch to teaching elementary music, 20 things to know before teaching music at an elementary school. So make sure to download that. And make sure you um, subscribe on iTunes or download the Anchor app so you never miss an episode. All right, you guys, I hope you got something from this and I will see you next week. All right, bye. Thank you so much for listening in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, I would love for you to review the show and leave a rating on iTunes. To find out more about how I can help you gain momentum in your elementary music teaching career, head to thedomesticmusician.com where you'll find free downloads, courses, the blog, and so much more. Continue teaching music and never doubt the impact you're making each and every day in the lives of your students.